Book Four, Canto Ten, The Legend of Campbell and Telamond. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Fairy Queen by Edmund Spencer. Book Four, The Legend of Campbell and Telamond, Canto Ten. Scudamore doth his conquest tell of virtuous amoret great venus temple is described and lover's life forth set true he it said whatever man it said that love with gall and honey doth abound but if the one be with the other weighed for every dram of honey therein found a pound of gall doth over it redound that i too true by trial have approved for since the day that first with deadly wound my heart was launched and learn it to have loved, I never joyed hour, but still with care was moved, and yet such grace is given them from above, that all the cares and evil which they meet may not at all their settled minds remove, but seem gainst common sense to them most sweet, as boasting in their martyrdom unmeet. So all that ever yet I have endured, I count as naught, and tread down, under feet, since of my love at length I rest assured that to disloyalty she will not be allured. Long were to tell the travel and long toil through which this shield of love I late have won and purchased this peerless beauty's spoil. That harder may be ended than begun. But since ye so desire, your will be done. Then hark, ye gentle knights and ladies free, my hard mishaps that ye may learn to shun for though sweet love to conquer glorious be yet is the pain thereof much greater than the fee what time the fame of this renowned prize flew first abroad and all men's ears possessed i having arms then taken gin advise to win me honour by some noble jest and purchase me some place amongst the best I boldly thought, so young men's thoughts are bold, that this same brave emprise for me did rest, and that both shield and she whom I behold might be my lucky lot, sith all by lot we hold. So on that hard adventure forth I went, and to the place of peril shortly came, that was a temple fair and ancient, which of great mother Venus bear the name, and far renowned through exceeding fame, much more than that which was in Paphos built, or that in Cyprus, both long since this same, though all the pillars of the one were gilt, and all the other's pavement were of ivory spilt. And it was seated in an island strong, abounding all with delicies most rare, and walled by nature gainst invaders wrong that none mote have access nor inward fare but by one way that passage did prepare it was a bridge built in goodly wise with curious corbies and pendants graven fair and arched all with porches did arise on stately pillars framed after the doric guise and for defence thereof on the other end there reared was a castle fair and strong that warded all which in or out did wend 
and flanked both the bridges sides along gainst all that would it fain to force or wrong and therein wanted twenty valiant knights all twenty tried in war's experience long by all means to maintain that castle's ancients rights before that castle was an open plain and in the midst thereof a pillar placed on which this shield of many sought in vain the shield of love whose guerdon me hath graced was hanged on high with golden ribbons laced and in the marble stone was written this with golden letters goodly well enchased blessed the man that well can use his bliss whose ever be the shield fair amoret be his which when i read my heart did inly earn and pant with hope of that adventure's hap ne stayed further news thereof to learn but with my spear upon the shield did rap that all the castle ringed with the clap straight forth issued a knight all armed to proof and bravely mounted to his most mishap who staying not to question from aloof ran fierce at me that fire glanced from his horse's hoof whom boldly i encountered as i could and by good fortune shortly him unseated eftsoons outsprung two more of equal mould but i them both with equal hap defeated so all the twenty i likewise entreated and left them groaning there upon the plain then preceding to the pillar i repeated the reed thereof for guerdon of my pain and taking down the shield with me did it retain so forth without impediment i passed till to the bridge's utter gate i came the which i found sure locked and chained fast i knocked but no man answered me by name i called but no man answered to my claim yet i persevered still to knock and call till at the last i spied within the same where one stood peeping through a crevice small to whom i called aloud half angry therewithal that was to wit the porter of the place unto whose trust the charge thereof was lent his name was doubt that had a double face the one forward-looking the other backward bent therein resembling janus ancient which hath in charge the end-gate of the year and evermore his eyes about him went as if some proved peril he did fear or did misdoubt some ill whose cause did not appear on the one side he on the other set delay behind the gate that none her might espy whose manner was all passengers to stay and entertain with her occasion sly through which some lost great hope unheedily which never they recover might again and others quite excluded forth did lie long languishing there in unpitied pain and seeking often entrance afterwards in vain me when as he had privily espied bearing the shield which i had conquered late he kenned it straight and to me opened it wide so in i passed and straight he closed the gate but being in delay in close await caught hold on me and thought my steps to stay feigning full many a fond excuse to prate 
and time to steal, the treasure of man's day, whose smallest minute lost no riches render may. But by no means my way I would forslow, for aught that ever she could do or say, but from my lofty steed, dismounting low, passed forth on foot, beholding all the way the goodly works, and stones of rich assay, cast into sundry shapes by wondrous skill, that like on earth nowhere I reckon may, and underneath the river rolling still with murmur soft that seemed to serve the workman's will. Thenceforth I passed to the second gate, the gate of good desert, whose goodly pride and costly frame were long here to relate. The same to all stood always open wide, but in the porch did evermore abide an hideous giant, dreadful to behold, that stopped the entrance with his spacious stride, and with the terror of his countenance bold, full many did affray, that else fain enter would. His name was Donger dreaded over all, who day and night did watch and duly ward from fearful cowards entrance to forestall, and faint-heart fools whom shoe a peril hard could terrify from fortune's fair adward. For oftentimes faint hearts at first espial of his grim face were from approaching scared, unworthy they of grace, whom one denial excludes from fairest hope withouten further trial. Yet many doughty warriors often tried in greater perils to be stout and bold, durst not the sternness of his look abide, but soon as they his countenance did behold, began to faint and feel their courage cold, against some other that in hard assays were cowards known and little count did hold, either through gifts or guile or such like ways, crept in by stooping low or stealing of the keys. But I, though meanest man of many mo, yet much disdaining unto him to lout, or creep between his legs, so in to go, resolved him to assault with manhood stout, and either beat him in or drive him out, eftsoons advancing that enchanted shield, with all my might I gan to lay about, which when he saw the glaive which he did wield, he gan forthwith to veil, and way unto me yield. So as I entered, I did backward look, for fear of harm that might lie hidden there, and lo, his hind parts, whereof heed I took, much more deformed, fearful, ugly were, than all his former parts did erst appear. For hatred, murder, treason, and despite, with many mo lay in ambushment there, awaiting to entrap the wearless wight, which did not them prevent with vigilant foresight. Thus having passed all peril, I was come within the compass of that island's space, the which did seem unto my simple doom, the only pleasant and delightful place, that ever troden was of footing's trace, for all that nature by her mother wit could frame in earth and form of substance base, was there, and all that nature did omit, art playing second nature's part supplied it no tree that is of count in green wood grows from lowest juniper to cedar tall no flower in field that dainty odour throws and decks his branch with blossoms over all 
but there was planted or grew natural nor sense of man so coy and curious nice but there mote find to please itself withal nor heart could wish for any quaint device but there it present was and did frail sense entice in such luxurious plenty of all pleasure it seemed a second paradise to guess so lavishly enriched with nature's treasure that if the happy souls which do possess the elysian fields and live in lasting bless should happen this with living eye to see they soon would loathe their lesser happiness and wish to life returned again to be that in this joyous place they mote have joyance free fresh shadows fit to shroud from sunny ray fair lawns to take the sun in season dew sweet springs in which a thousand nymphs did play soft rumbling brooks that gentle slumber drew high reared mounts the lands about to view low-looking dales disloined from common gaze delightful bowers to solace lovers true false labyrinths fond runners eyes to daze all which by nature made did nature's self amaze and all without were walks and alleys dight with diverse trees enranged in even ranks and here and there were pleasant arbors pight and shady seats and sundry flowering banks to sit and rest the walker's weary shanks and there in thousand pairs of lovers walked praising their god and yielding him great thanks ne ever aught but of their true loves talked ne ever for rebuke or blame of any balked all these together by themselves did sport their spotless pleasures and sweet love's content but far away from these another sort of lovers linked in true hearts consent which love it not as these for like intent but on chaste virtue grounded their desire far from all fraud or feigned blandishment which in their spirits kindling zealous fire brave thoughts and noble deeds did evermore aspire such were great hercules and hylas dear true jonathan and david trusty tried stout theseus and Pirithous his fear, Pylades and Orestes by his side, mild Titus and Gisippus without pride, Damon and Pythias whom death could not sever, all these and all that ever had been tried, in bands of friendship there did live for ever, whose lives, although decayed, yet loves, decayed never. Which when is I that never tasted bliss, nor happy hour beheld with gazeful eye i thought there was none other heaven than this and gan their endless happiness envy that being free from fear and jealousy might frankly there their love's desire possess whilst i through pains and perilous jeopardy was forced to seek my life's dear patroness much dearer be the things which come through hard distress yet all those sights and all that else i saw might not my steps withhold but that forthright unto that purposed place i did me draw whereas my love was lodged day and night 
the temple of great Venus, that is height the queen of beauty, and of love the mother, there worship it of every living wight, whose goodly workmanship far past all other that ever were on earth, all were they set together. Not that same famous temple of Diane, whose height all Ephesus did oversee, and which all Asia sought with vows profane, one of the world's seven wonders said to be, might match with this by many a degree, nor that which that wise king of Jewry framed, with endless cost to be the Almighty's sea, nor all that else through all the world is named, to all the heathen gods might like to this be claimed. I, much admiring that so goodly frame, unto the porch approached, which open stood, and therein set an amiable dame, that seemed to be a very sober mood, and in her semblant shewed great womanhood. Strange was her tire, for on her head a crown she wore much like unto a Danisk hood, powdered with pearl and stone, and all her gown inwoven was with gold, that wrought full low adown. On either side of her two young men stood, both strongly armed as fearing one another. Yet were they brethren both of half the blood, begotten by two fathers of one mother, though of contrary natures to each other. The one of them height, love, the other hate. Hate was the elder, love the younger brother. Yet was the younger stronger in his state than the elder and him mastered still in all debate. Natheless, that dame so well them tempered both, that she them forced hand to join in hand, albe that hatred was thereto full loath, and turned his face away, as he did stand unwilling to behold that lovely band. Yet she was of such grace and virtuous might, that her commandment he could not withstand but bit his lip for felonous despite, and gnashed his iron tusks at that displeasing sight. Concord she cleeped was in common reed, mother of blessed peace and friendship true. They both her twins, both born of heavenly seed, and she herself likewise divinely grew, the which right well her works divine did shew, for strength and wealth and happiness she lends and strife and war and anger does subdue. Of little much, of foes she maketh friends, and to afflicted minds sweet rest and quiet sands. By her the heaven is in his course contained, and all the world in state unmoved stands, as their almighty maker first ordained, and bound them with inviolable bands else would the waters overflow the lands, and fire devour the air, and hell them quite. But that she holds them with her blessed hands, she is the nurse of pleasure and delight, and unto Venus' grace the gate doth open right. By her I entering half dismayed was, but she in gentle wise me entertained, and twixt herself and love did let me pass. But hatred would my entrance have restrained, and with his club me threatened to have brained, had not the lady with her powerful speech him from his 
wicked will uneath refrained, and the other eke his malice did impeach, till I was throughly past the peril of his reach. Into the inmost temple thus I came, which fuming all with frankincense I found, and odours rising from the altar's flame, upon an hundred marble pillars round, the roof up high was reared from the ground, all decked with crowns, and chains, and garlands gay, and thousand precious gifts worth many a pound, the which sad lovers for their vows did pay, and all the ground was strewed with flowers as fresh as may. An hundred altars round about were set, all flaming with their sacrifices fire, that with the steam thereof the temple sweat, which rolled in clouds to heaven, did aspire, and in them bore true lovers' vows entire, and eke an hundred brazen cauldrons bright, to bath in joy and amorous desire, every of which was to a damsel height, for all the priests were damsels in soft linen dight. Right in the midst the goddess self did stand upon an altar of some costly mass, whose substance was uneath to understand, for neither precious stone nor durful brass, nor shining gold, no mouldering clay it was, but much more rare and precious to esteem, pure in aspect, and like to crystal glass, yet glass was not, if one did rightly deem, but being fair and brickle, likest glass did seem. But it in shape and beauty did excel all other idols, which the heathen adore far passing that which by surpassing skill phidias did make in paphos isle of yore with which that wretched greek that life forlore did fall in love yet this much fairer shined but covered with a slender veil afore and both her feet and legs together twined were with a snake whose head and tail were fast combined the cause why she was covered with a veil was hard to know, for that her priests the same from people's knowledge labored to conceal. But sooth it was not sure for womanish shame, nor any blemish which the work mote blame. But for, they say, she hath both kinds in one, both male and female, both under one name, she sire and mother is herself alone, begets and eke conceives ne needeth other none. And all about her neck and shoulders flew a flock of little loves and sports and joys with nimble wings of gold and purple hue, whose shapes seemed not like two terrestrial boys, but like to angels playing heavenly toys. And whilst their elder brother was away, Cupid, their eldest brother, he enjoys the wide kingdom of love with lordly sway and to his law compels all creatures to obey. And all about her altar, scattered lay great sorts of lovers, piteously complaining, some of their loss, some of their love's delay, some of their pride, some paragons disdaining, some fearing fraud, some fraudulently feigning, as every one had cause of good or ill. Amongst the rest some one, through love's constraining, tormented sore could not contain it still but thus brake forth and all the temple it did fill 
great venus queen of beauty and of grace the joy of gods and men that under sky dost fairest shine and most adorn thy place that with thy smiling look dost pacify the raging seas and makest the storms to fly thee goddess thee the winds the clouds do fear and when thou spreadst thy mantle forth on high the waters play and pleasant lands appear and heavens laugh and all the world shews joyous cheer then doth the deedle earth throw forth to thee out of her fruitful lap abundant flowers and all the living whites soon as they see the spring break forth out of his lusty bowers they all do learn to play the paramours first do the merry birds thy pretty pages privily prick it with thy lustful powers chirp loud to thee out of their leafy cages and thee their mother call to cool their kindly rages then do the salvage beasts begin to play their pleasant frisks and loathe their wonted food the lions roar the tigers loudly bray the raging bulls rebellow through the wood and breaking forth dare tempt the deepest flood to come where thou dost draw them with desire so all things else that nourish vital blood soon as with fury thou dost them inspire in generation seek to quench their inward fire so all the world by thee at first was made and daily yet thou dost the same repair nay aught on earth that merry is and glad nay aught on earth that lovely is and fair but thou the same for pleasure didst prepare thou art the root of all that joyous is great god of men and women queen of the air mother of laughter and wellspring of bliss o oh, grant that of my love at last i may not miss so did he say but i with murmur soft that none might hear the sorrow of my heart yet inly groaning deep and sighing oft besought her to grant ease unto my smart and to my wound her gracious help impart whilst thus i spake behold with happy eye i spied where at the idol's feet apart a bevy of fair damsels close did lie waiting when as the anthem should be sung on high the first of them did seem of riper years and graver countenance than all the rest yet all the rest were eke her equal peers yet unto her obeyed all the best her name was womanhood that she expressed by her sad semblant and demeanour wise for steadfast still her eyes did fixed rest ne roved at random after gazers guise whose luring baits oft times do heedless hearts entice and next to her set goodly shamefacedness ne ever durst her eyes from ground uprear ne ever once did look up from her des as if some blame of evil she did fear that in her cheeks made roses oft appear and her against sweet cheerfulness was placed whose eyes like twinkling stars in evening clear were decked with smiles that all sad humours chased and darted forth delights the which her goodly graced and next to her set sober modesty holding her hand upon her gentle heart and her against set comely courtesy 
that unto every person knew her part, and her before was seated overthwart, soft silence and submiss obedience, both linked together never to dispart, both gifts of God not gotten but from thence, both girlands of his saints against their foes offence. Thus set they all around in seemly rate, and in the midst of them a goodly maid, even in the lap of womanhood there set, the which was all in lily-white arrayed, with silver streams amongst the linen strayed, like to the morn, when first her shining face hath to the gloomy world itself berayed, that same was fairest amoret in place, shining with beauty's light and heavenly virtue's grace. Whom soon as I beheld my heart gan throb, and weighed in doubt what best were to be done. For sacrilege meseemed the church to rob, and folly seemed to leave the thing undone, which with so strong attempt I had begun. Though shaking off all doubt and shamefaced fear, which ladies love I heard had never won, amongst men of worth, I to her stepped near, and by the lily hand her laboured up to rear. Thereat that foremost matron me did blame and sharp rebuke, for being overbold, saying it was to-night unseemly shame upon a recluse virgin to lay hold, that unto Venus' services was sold, to whom I thus, nay, but it fitteth best for Cupid's man with Venus made to hold, for ill your goddess' services are dressed by virgins, and her sacrifices let to rest, with that my shield I forth to her did show, which all that while I closely had concealed, on which when Cupid with his killing bow and cruel shafts emblazoned she beheld, at sight thereof she was with terror quelled, and said no more. But I, which all that while the pledge of faith her hand engaged held, like wary hind within the weedy soil, for no entreaty would forego so glorious spoil. And evermore upon the goddess' face mine eye was fixed, for fear of her offence, whom when I saw with amiable grace to laugh at me, and favour my pretence, I was emboldened with more confidence, and not for niceness, nor for envy sparing, in presence of them all forth led her thence, all looking on, and like astonished staring, yet to lay hand on her, not one of all them daring. She often prayed, and often me besought, sometime with tender tears, to let her go, sometime with witching smiles, but yet for naught that ever she to me could say or do, could she her wished freedom from me woo. But forth I led her through the temple gate, by which I hardly passed, with much ado. But that same lady, which me friended late in entrance, did me also friend in my retreat. No less did Donger threaten me with dread, when as he saw me mulgray his power, that glorious spoil of beauty with me led, then Cerberus, when Orpheus did recover his leman from the Stygian prince's bower, but evermore my shield did me defend against the storm of every dreadful stour. Thus safely with my love I thence did wend, so ended he his tale 
where I this canto end. End of Canto 10, Book 4, The Legend of Campbell and Telemund.